Heyo, this is the On to Something podcast. My name is Zane Witcher, and I'm glad that I'm with you for the next couple minutes. Uh, we are continuing our interviews with people who are in the first third of life. And today, I'm bringing someone on the show by the name of Reagan Hardman. I was looking forward to talking with Reagan, mostly because we ran into each other a couple times, and this was a chance to be able to unpack life with him for a little bit. So the way that I'd probably describe his first third of life uh, is fun and extremely stressful all at the same time. And when you get into his interview, you'll know why I'm saying that. If you've found any of the topics ever interesting, uh, like things like engagement, uh, going back to grad school, uh, long distance relationships, rethinking your faith, uh, any of those topics, if you found those interesting, you'll find today's interview with Reagan very interesting as well. I uh, really appreciate some of the words that he says about just plugging into a local faith community uh, and also how he's navigating uh, seasons of deconstruction and reconstruction when it comes to his faith and what seems to be very healthy ways. So anyways, without ado, I'd like to uh, release you into Reagan and I's conversation. Today we are on with uh, Reagan Hardman, and uh, it is Hardman, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's got that E in the middle of it? It, it doesn't really matter how you pronounce it. Okay. Hardman, is there Hardman. another way to pronounce it? We usually say Hardman. Okay. Like really soft, a little E sound in there. Hardman. Okay. All right. We can work that. One of the reasons I asked you on today was specifically two reasons. One, uh, every conversation you and I have had has just kind of impressed me. Like you're kind of one of those guys that I walk away from and it's like, oh, that's what that's what I should be in life uh, with like a taste of Portland. Like I feel Aww. like that's that's the feel there. <laughs> but second, I want to I want people to be able to hear like your experience, your perspective, because you've done college in Texas uh, in like Bible Belt World, Texas. Oh, yeah. And then you've also moved away, and I'll let you tell that part of your story in a minute. That piece of your story to me is highly fascinating, and I think a lot of people that are listening today may resonate with that soon, or they're mm-hmm. in the midst of it right now. So I'd love for you to just speak into whatever you have on that piece. As far as like meeting up goes, I was saying about this right beforehand, of like it really does kind of feel like we have that relationship of like, oh, it's Reagan from college. Even though we really didn't see each other that much in college yeah, whatsoever, it's true. Um, like those connections do kind of run deep and weird, strange ways. Right. So we've ran into each other what twice since then. Yeah, if that. Yeah, it sounds about right. Okay, do you want to outline for people like if you were to just roadmap what the past, let's go like five years have all been. Right. So like post post high school life all the way up to right now. Yeah, yeah. So I graduated high school in 2015, uh, and then I came to ACU here in Abilene for, for college. I went in knowing that I was going to be a biblical text major. I didn't I didn't really want to do the ministry degree route like 90% of the Bible majors do. Yep. You know, I, I wasn't the youth and fam guy. Um, I wanted to do something different. So I, I had an idea that I wanted to do kind of like the academic right. kind of road with it. I didn't know exactly what that looked like until I got to ACU. And as I got more into the, the degree, um, I just really fell in love with that world. I didn't like like the biblical text particular route. Like right. I didn't want to study old manuscripts all Did the time. Did you like languages? I, I liked Greek. Okay. I 
I dropped Hebrew in the first week. Dropped it like it's hot. I was no, okay. can't, I'm not doing this. Not about swerve. I was in group. I was in Greek three, and Hebrew one in the same at the week. same time. And then I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> See, that feels like I'm a out. disguise of like you actually are really good at languages. Oh, like for someone to be like those two <laughs> things put together, I I can point you to better directions than me. Sure. <laughs> I, that was just not really what I wanted to do. And as I got closer to like the theologians in uh-huh. the program. I realized I wanted to do more of that than I did the, the biblical text uh-huh. stuff. So I didn't really want to be pouring myself into, into languages as much as I did just theologians. Sure. So I started applying to grad schools, and I applied. This was 2018, uh, or applying at the end of 2017. Yeah. I applied to ACU because there's there's a great theologian there, uh, Fred Aquino. And then I applied to Yale and Boston University. And it, that was a weird time because I had... I, I got into the place where I was able to decide based on what I wanted to do, not what was like available. Because huh. thankfully, I mean, I got accepted into all of them, which was which was beautiful. And I got a call one day. I was with a guy, a, a lovely human named Logan Owens, now Logan Church Owens. And I was in the car, and I got a call. I kept getting this call from a Boston number, but I was busy and I was with people, so I, I kept ignoring it. But they called me like six times. So by like sixth or seventh phone call, I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I really need to answer this. It must be something really important. And it was the admissions person calling me to tell me what my financial package was because uh-huh. uh, I applied for this extra scholarship they had, a fellowship. And it was just way beyond what I could have asked for or what, what anything out that I was expecting from that. So I was I really didn't say much on the phone call at all. They said it and I was like, what? Really? Did they, <laughs> did they say why they called so many times over and over again? They didn't want to leave it as a voicemail. Like they really wanted to talk to wow. the person and, and yeah. make sure that they, they, they wanted to non-millennial and, that thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I got off the phone after only saying like, wow, really, really, really? Thank you. Wow, thanks. (laughs) And he was like, "They're uh, like his articulation. (laughs) It was phenomenal. That's all we needed." I I told him what happened, and we were sitting at a at a table outside downtown, and I was like, "Dude, I just don't know what to do because I I was planning on getting engaged. Uh, I hadn't been yet, but I like the plan was there, Uh and it's just a grad school decision. So that itself was a big decision, but then factor in." love and women yep. in, the, in the process too everything gets more complicated and so i was like man i just don't know what to do man i just want god to like write in the clouds where i should go to school yep and he was like well you did just get a call offering you this package and i was like oh yeah you're right yep that 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 was a really really big shifting moment for me hmm. and it was pretty much there that i decided yeah boston is probably the school for me to go to so i've been there for a year and a half now oh. just about and uh, I graduate in May, but I'm applying to the PhD program, so yep. I'm trying to do even more of it. Yep, and you're doing that full-time right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. I work, or I'm in school full-time, then I work a couple part-time jobs okay. as well. What are the part-time jobs? I work for a church up uh-huh. there. Uh, it's a smaller, kind of evangelical Protestant church. Uh-huh. Uh, I do mostly admin stuff, but I also have a couple other extraneous-type responsibilities. So I, I wrote um, a class that was offered to uh, people in the church, and then I also preach uh, fairly infrequently. Awesome. Okay. And then uh, people are going to want to know, like, because you kind of just left them hanging. Like, <laughs> what about this woman that yeah, you were yeah. thinking and talking we, about? We got engaged in June of 2018 nice. after I decided to go to Boston. So you decide where you were going, and then you moved to proposing to her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any reason for that particular order? Um. No. Okay. Not, not really. 
I, I know that's a boring answer, but I can't really think of anything. <laughs> okay. I mean, we, we had talked about it and we knew it was going to happen, but just the way that things kind of timed out at that point, it was it's just kind of how it fell. Given that when I had to respond to the schools uh-huh. and let them know where I was, you know, whether I was accepting or declining their offer, and when I like have the ring and we were ready to actually get proposed or get engaged. Yep. That's just kind of how it worked out. Yep. So we got engaged in June of 2018 and we've been engaged since, but we're getting married on May 29th. How long of an engagement is that? Almost. It'll almost be two years. By the time. Have we enjoyed the two year engagement? I mean, yes. Y'all are doing long distance. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the hardest part is that it's, she lives in Texas and I live in Boston. And yeah. it's, it's hard to get much farther in the continental United States. <laughs> right. it's, it's very difficult to do right. that. Y'all nailed it. Man, thanks, but <laughs> yeah. What um what what suggestion would you have to people that are looking at long distance? Like how you do long distance in a healthy way? Because I mean y'all are what two year oh, you said by the time you get to May it'll be two full years, right? Just about just yeah. under. So like what, what would you suggest to people on that healthy ways to... I would never advise anybody to do it. <laughs> I would tell everybody... Bringing some people some real do hope. It, don't do it. But if you have to... And I, it was hard because, I mean, we had a lot of arguments about it before. Huh. Because it meant, like, me going somewhere else meant living apart. Uh-huh. And there was really no way around that. But it was what I felt was the best thing to do for me in a lot of ways. <laughs> I felt like it, it wasn't as efficacious for me to stay in Texas, what I was used to in the same environment that I was in for uh, three years already, all of that, like as wanting to do theology, I wanted to do it somewhere other than a very religious place. I wanted to go somewhere that is what we would say is post religious because I just, I felt not only for my academic and career side, but also just spiritually and, and personally, that that was going to shape me and help me grow in ways that staying in Abilene would allow me to do mm-hmm. it would allow me to be with her sooner mm-hmm. you know we'd get married soon but through just a long process of deliberation i felt like what was best for me was really for both of that because it allows both of us to grow sure so if you are going to um i would say plan the time that you're going to talk and try to do it i mean if you can i hate facetime so it's really hard why is that i don't uh, i've thought about that do you like to do other things while you're talking to someone on the phone Yes. Is it the restroom factor? That's it's not that. Okay. I will never that's talk it on for the phone me. in the restroom. I'd, well, I don't either, but that's why I like him against FaceTime. Like, you know, every once in a while you just need to click that mute button, get something uh, done, yeah, and you true. can unclick it. I I don't really know what it is. I part I think part of it's the food network syndrome where it's you're watching these really delicious foods get made, but like you're not gonna enjoy it after. Dang. You're not going to make that recipe. Dang. Don't don't kid yourself. You're not gonna make that anytime soon. So it's like, I know you're there, but like you're not. Yeah. It's this weird embodied, disembodied Dang. relationship. I love that parallel. I had no <laughs> idea where you were going with that parallel until yeah. just, I just it's that that makes it really hard for me. And I, I think that's mostly just a, she loves FaceTime and I really dislike it. So huh. that, it, it can become really difficult in that yep. way. But it, if you are a FaceTiming person, or even if you're not and the other one is, just make yourself be one. Yep. Just just do it. It's expensive and it's hard and I, I know that there's a lot of limitations to this, but travel back as much as you possibly can. What's y'all's rhythm of travel? Uh, we try to see each other no less, or at, at least every couple months. Okay. 
ideally every six weeks. Okay. And, and it's really difficult. I got an, an airline uh, credit card uh-huh. to build up airline points, yep. and I've traveled back on point probably three times. Nice. And just paid for a few others. Yep. So it's inconvenient. It's expensive. It's difficult. Um, but insofar as you can, like even just a weekend trip, uh, a weekend together is way better than a weekend apart. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Okay, so consistency, communication. Um, something that's got a travel rhythm to it. Yeah. Um, assuming y'all equally do it back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. As much as we, it's a little bit more expensive for her to come there than okay. it is for me to come back. Okay. Um, Boston is just expensive in every way possible. Right. So it's, it tends to be easier for me to come back here than it is for her to go there. But whenever we can, uh, we usually have more fun when she's there. Nice. Just because right. it's Boston. Different place. Yeah. Things to do. It's great. We're both so, <clears throat> so used to uh, Abilene since we met here and, and lived here together right. for, for three years. So right. getting to like explore New England together is, is a really pleasant thing. Oh, I bet. I bet. Okay, so while we're on while we're on Keeley, I so I went through all your blog stuff and mm-hmm. read it, which probably sounds extensive, but like there's not a ton of blog oh, stuff no. that you've got. It's like four or five, right? If that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kinda of like flipping through the newspaper a little bit with yeah. it. Which is, it's really interesting, but you have written a blog on your actual proposal that you did for her. And I would love for you to just recap that for listeners because I feel <laughs> like that is, yeah, it's really good. Like give it like a minute and a half version of yeah. it. Yeah. So I, and there's one part I hope you don't leave out, but keep going. Oh, shoot. All right. I started out talking about how there's a lot of scary things in the world. I'm terrified of snakes, but by far the scariest thing you'll ever do in your life, the two scariest things you'll ever do in your life. Are proposed to a girl yep. and talk to the parents. Dang. I was thinking death may be on that list, but <laughs> nah, not even close. Not, not when you're a Christian. <laughs> you're welcome, death. <laughs> okay. Talking nice. to the parents, especially the father, is, is just a horrifying Terrifying. experience. Terrifying. Thankfully, I had a good relationship with them, so I wasn't really nervous about the outcome of it. Right. It's just the process itself. Right. I drove from Abilene to Dallas be able to have that conversation yep. and I sat in complete silence for the entire two and a half hours of that drive just, to, just, just to try to get some semblance of peace yep. in my life yep. <laughs> for those couple hours uh, so I asked them uh, thank God they said yes and her brother had just graduated high school or was just about to graduate high school so they were going on a trip to Key Largo Florida for his yep. his senior trip they uh, he took a couple friends and they let me come along uh, as her friend. And so I asked him if I could propose to her there. Uh-huh. And I did. There was We were in this condo like, kind of on the beach. And so we, we took a walk down that night. And I had I had the, the ring in my backpack. And I kept saying, I, like I kept starting with hey heels to, to initiate yep, it. To start it. And then pull it out and then get them. In my mind, it was going to go perfectly. I was just going to go right down to the knee. I was going to say some some really lovely words of love <laughs> to her and it would be the most beautiful engagement. I said, Hey Kiel's probably six times with Just nothing after that because I just <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I would say that she would just look at me and I would make up something to say right after that. Cause I, you I, would I, swerve I every time I, at least six times. Did you ever think to yourself, I'm just not going to do it tonight? No. Okay. No, I, I You're was like, like oh, I was taking another round. If until... it takes 25 times, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally I did it and I got down and I, I, I had prepared some, not, I hadn't prepared words. I had prepared like 
kind of a general idea of things that I would say in that moment. And I, all of them escaped me. I, I couldn't say a single thing. Uh-huh. I just kind of looked around or down and up yep. from the ring to her. Yep. And I just asked the question and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so my favorite, my favorite part of the story is definitely the dishes part. Cause do I, <laughs> do I understand, do I understand correctly yes. that like, like it was like you were trying to time it with the sunset. Yeah. And after you had shared a meal and then afterwards you were like, Hey, let's go down to the beach. And she was like doing something with the yeah, dishes. Yeah. Was that- there are two, two major hindrances that didn't get me the timing. <laughs> One, this is so her, her dad and I had talked and he knew like the whole plan the that it was okay. like, we're going to have dinner Yep. as the sun is setting circa like seven thirty. Yep. We're going down. Yep. And I'm going to propose to her. We're going to come back and you're going to have an engaged daughter. Like yep. he was in on it. We had a right. conversation that morning right. about it. Full game plan. He didn't start cooking until seven o'clock. Missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Missed it. Dad. But, but you, <sighs> okay. So thankfully it didn't take too long. And we, we eat and it's like seven forty five at this point. And if we go down, like, right after dinner, we're going to get a, a good sunset. Yep. And so I'm like, let's go down. And she's like, no, 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 there's all these dishes. And I was like, hey, hey, Sean, her mom, like, do you mind doing the dishes? She was like, yeah, yeah, no, y'all, y'all go do that. I got it. And Keely's like, no, 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 no. it's fine. I'll, let me, just let me do it. Let's, let me get these right dishes. Right now is not the time and to be was, a servant. This is or- not an altruistic moment. <laughs> Don't try to be this person. Listen to me. And I, I ended up helping her. I'm just like scrubbing as fast as I freaking can all these dishes. Just like basically tossing them into the dishwasher. Right. Can't believe they didn't break. Yeah. Have them just frisbee tossing them in. And I like grab her by the rest. I'm like, come on. And we run down there. And that's, yeah. That that's it. That one moment is actually a really great picture of our relationship, of our personality. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She she will just always do anything for anybody at any time. Dang. And she's lax, and you're very much. Lax. And I'm like, I, yeah, I'm on a schedule. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, I got plans. Oh, plans. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I love it. And for for those that are listening, we'll we'll give you your uh, social media info at the end. But like, I I lo- you gotta read it back in the blog because you even have a line in quotes where you're just like, will you just forget about the freaking dishes? <laughs> like, I just that line was like, I busted out laughing because yeah. I was like, that's so true. Like even even in my proposal, like I was an idiot. I tried to get on a boat in Austin, thinking that like, oh yeah, I'm gonna paddle her out to the middle of this <laughs> river, like on a Saturday uh, where there's yes. a ton of people. <laughs> and like right as I'm about to do it, like I'm about to like grab the box, pop it open, um, like it's like perfect mood saying, except for this dog like paddles up to the <laughs> boat, and it's totally distraction. It's a mood killer, and yeah, just. It didn't work. It, always it didn't work. Okay, so let me ask you a question there. How do you prepare to talk to the parents since mm-hmm. you've done that and you would define it just as bad as death? Yes. Um, the sting is much greater. <laughs> uh, and then second level, talk to your perspective of like asking parents and how that used to be very much a, uh, I asked for permission of it. Uh, did you shift it towards blessing language? Did you, yeah. you know, there, there's some strong opinions on that. Definitely. Uh, I'll just be curious what what yours are there. I'll start with the second one. I did not free the in the permission kind of language. Okay. Uh, I I framed it more as like this is really more in the blessing kind of way that this is 
what we were planning on. And they, they already knew they had kind of had some conversations with her before mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So they knew that it was probably coming. And when I asked if I could have dinner with them separate, separately from her, they know, they, they know, they know yeah. it's coming. I know that they were fully aware of what they were getting themselves into. So I, I framed it just as, Hey, I, I love her. And you know, this is what I'm planning on. Uh -huh. Um, and they just kind of took it from there. Like they just talked and talked and talked from that. Just like what they wanted from me and what they kind of their own marriage advice, like uh -huh. what they would give to us uh, through through our own marriage and, and things like that. If somebody is thinking about having this conversation with with a, a future in-law, you should know their personality and uh -huh. what they are expecting from that because I mean they've been raising this person for 18 19 20 30 years maybe yeah um, they've been imagining having this conversation for a long time probably hmm. so you should you should probably have an idea of who they are and what they are expecting of this guy coming along to, to steal their daughter away for yeah for eternity yeah casual um, <laughs> it's a really really simple event yeah so you should you should really have an idea of, of that. Um, if you haven't gotten to know them yet, it's tough. Good luck. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. You need to put the legwork in before yeah. you ask this question. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's real. Like, I even think of mine of, like, you know, my, my spouse's parents are very, uh, they're very logistics-based. So, like, I didn't think about when sitting down, uh, they were going to care less about, like, uh, yay or nay to me. Uh, but it was more of, like, uh, so what's your timeline? What's your expectations financially? Right. Uh, can you handle this shift uh, for you two and being a couple and not an individual? So that, that's really insightful because, yeah, the personality plays a massive deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I know someone who, um, they when they asked the, the father, he only asked financial questions. Okay. For like 30 minutes. Yep. And then it was done. Yep. What is your 401k? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you have a youth ministry degree. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? And he was like, "Well, she has a nursing degree, so she's going to make the money." And that was that's a bold that move. Was a, yeah. That's a bold move. And Just be like, "I'm going to completely off ramp that onto uh, your daughter or yeah. you know, your son." Oh. And finances didn't come up hardly at all in ours. It was fascinating. It was much different. So. Yeah, that's no, that's really insightful. Think of the personality um, and know that the personality is probably something that's going to help gear you and get you ready for that yeah. conversation. Let's hit another note that I've been dying to, dying to ask you on. Tell me about your hair. <laughs> because here's why I asked that. Um, it seems like I've seen three different modes of your hair now. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's anything associated with phases, uh, if there's anything that's like symbolism with it. <laughs> I think it would be very fun to post all three online and we can let people like oh, vote which one is their best. I would love to do that. I will share my favorite before we move on to this conversation. Yes. But yeah. Is your is there anything purposeful with your hair? That's a that's really funny. I actually started growing out my hair right as I graduated high school because uh -huh. I wanted to do the top knot thing. Right. And for I, all those that don't know, that is like his Jedi look. Yes. Yeah. That's it's exactly right. Little little ponytail at the a very small top. Small little bun right on the yep. top. Short sides. Yep. And I started growing it out right as I graduated, right before I graduated. And when I moved into HCU, I had my hair out in a bun yep. so that people would know that this is who I am. Yeah. Like this is, this is nice. You were that strategic. Oh, I was very, very, Oh my goodness. Very aware of this. Nice. And I had that, that hairstyle all through, uh, all through college. 
And Keely tells me that, like, when we first started dating, they would be like, oh, you have a boyfriend. She was like, yeah, his name's Reagan. They were like, who? And she was like, the sound guy that has the bun. And they were like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> it, like, became my identity. My hair actually was part of who yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah, it was kind of your brand. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and when I graduated... Uh, and knew that I was moving to Boston for grad school, I decided to cut it off as like a new, because I wasn't, it was like my college, my nice. undergrad haircut. Yeah. It, that's was just like a big, so that really was really kind of a part of it. Yeah, so it really was intentional. Like I'm cutting it off because yeah. this is uh, a new a new chapter. Will you cut it for the PhD? I don't know. Oh, surely so. Probably. Surely so. I it's mean, now I'm going to throw it all out for, since you people can't see me. The sides are super long. Super long. We're it's, like it's a like like lion. Yep, <laughs> there it is right there. No, I love that. I I wondered if that was a thing because if you just kind of scroll, th- not that I was stalking or anything, but if you, sc- <laughs> if you scroll through, like you can kind of see the like stages and phases. Um, yeah, and I'm, true. I'm like, I'm becoming a bigger proponent of marking. Comer talks about this really well. Of, like we just do not do a great job in American culture of like marking phases and seasons. Yeah. Um, and doing it in a significant way, if not like, well, you know, starting this like different, it's like posture wise, do something different. Yeah. Like you can even take that with spirituality of like your prayer posture and Advent is different than the rest of your year posture. Right. But yeah, just significant things to be able to symbolize and uh, yeah, make significance. It, it internalizes for you that you're moving into something new. Yeah. That, I, for me, actually, did kind of help me with that transition process. Yeah. Um, because it is that kind of internalization of something is different now yep. than what I've been used to for the last three years. Yep. So at some point, you'll have, like, the Mulan moment where you, like, pull your hair, take a sword. Okay, get a little dagger. It's just <laughs> one-click strike. He's gone. like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a thing, Keely. All right, well, <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Let's kind of move to the theological stuff. So you did undergrad and you did biblical text there and you flipped to doing masters and that MAs in what? It's a masters of theological studies. Okay. Gotcha. One of the things that I, I found like really impressive that we talked about before we even started the recording was that one point I asked you when we met up back at the Martin wedding, I was mm-hmm. like, when, ooh, I may be miss, I may be misidentifying you here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure y'all were with a like Protestant church when you were here. That was pretty, you know, I'm trying to find the best, best word to describe it, but it was very much, uh, you weren't leaning in the high church world. Yes. Like you were very much on the opposite. Yes. It's very, um, evangelical. It's super evangelical, super, um, seeker friendly. Yep. It, It focuses a lot more on, how people can come in and feel like this is a different kind of church experience yep. than they might have there had before. Go. There's the language. Yeah, yeah, so, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, some of the experience I have with people is, um, especially in my context, like, people come in, they come very excited, they learn about these deep roots of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they learn things like history and liturgy and also, like, some ways that, like, Protestants have kind of uh, kicked to the curb some like really important things that yes. come to the Christian faith. Yeah, uh, and like your training and correct me if I'm wrong, but your your training in some ways sets you up for a very difficult life because you're asked to think critically about everything that you claim. And yep. spoiler alert: when you're talking about humans trying to describe divinity. And then on top of that, you become trained on how to figure out uh-huh. how you should and shouldn't talk about 
this almighty God that we think is revealed through Jesus Christ, that world can easily become hard, cynical, frustrating. So like, would you mind just like sharing, like, how have you, how have you been able to walk with Keely in your marriage and also just your personal spirituality? Like, yeah. how have you been able to sustain that in a way of you don't just walk in and you're like, oh, or like the way you described it to me at one point was like, sometimes you got to like close your ears and not listen yeah. to like what's being said. You can easily five minutes into sermon be like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Did you just say that <laughs> about the all resurrected Lord? You know, yeah. like share with me, how do you do that in a healthy way? Uh, that, that's been probably, if I had to pinpoint it, my greatest struggle. Really? Yeah. It, because I'm the kind of person who just wants to deconstruct everything that right. I hear and see what, see what's left and see, see what I agree with. Yep. And so anytime we're in a sermon together, I, I'm the, I'm the guy who wants to lean over and say, yep. well, here's what's problematic with what he just said. Yep. And she hates that. Oh, I bet. Oh, she does not It's like preacher says that. good morning and you're like, click, click, <laughs> like your band is like ready to go. I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like Ryan in the office when he comes back from his excommunication nice. as his list of everyone. Nice parallel. In. That's definitely me. Solid. In, in that church. Was good. That was good. <laughs> And yeah, it's it really is a, a difficult thing because what I've had to teach myself in a lot of ways is that church is not about coming and hearing the right things. Like I've had to really reconstruct what I think about church. Okay, um, because I think what Protestants done in the West, and I don't know when this started exactly, because the Catholics still don't do this. For Catholics, mm-hmm. it's you go to church to participate in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is the focal point of what you're doing at Mass. For Protestants, it's become all about hearing the sermon. Like that, that is the yeah. focal point. Yeah, of, the word of why is, we the, go to, is the major sacrament. And Luther really does talk about that a lot. So yeah. it, it's kind of been that way since the beginning for Protestants. Yeah. We've lost a lot of what it means just to focus on the community of it, which is really what Eucharistic theology is for Catholics. It's all about how we come together. Um, not that I'm trying to say I'm Catholic, but I do right. think they're onto something there. Right. I, I think that we've lost something that they've retained. Right. So to come in and, and think that it's all about hearing the greatest sermon, uh, hearing a sermon that speaks something to me that I take with me throughout the week is not a bad thing, but I do think that it becomes really problematic in that it makes it all about what you are taking away from the church and not how you are participating in oh, a wow. greater story. Yeah. Um, and that the church is, you know, the local church that you're going to is really all about you participating in this story of what God is doing in the world, yeah. along with these other people. Um, that I don't think that when you when you're just focused on what did the preacher say and what can I take with that, take uh, from that with me, you're no longer looking at how God is is doing something in the world through you and this this group of people. Uh, you're focused on what God is doing in your own life. Which God does do a lot of things in our own lives. Absolutely, I right. don't want to. I don't want to diminish that and say that God doesn't work in in personal lives. But I think that's a secondary part of the story. And yeah. the focus is. I mean, just track through the Bible. The Bible is not a, a collection of stories about God doing something for one person here and there and here and there and here and there. It's it's tracking the community. Yeah. Uh, or even if it is one person, it's for the sake of yeah, like, exactly. like the Abraham thing is only honing in to get to like the ultimate right. Like, it's not about you. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you can say for all the figures, I mean, Moses, Moses is called, but to do what? 
yeah. to, to save a nation, yeah. right? To, to liberate a people. Right. Uh, even Jesus, like what does Jesus do? It doesn't come just to, to feel, to realize that he's God. Oh, that's a strong, that's a strong move. Right. Uh, like I even think of like, cause you know, I'm in a denomination where it's like sermons like key, like even if you were to like take our service and map out an hour and 15 and you see how much like the sermon takes, COC world has always, always, always had an emphasis on communion. But like, I've thought at times of like, because someone who does it, sometimes the weight of it, which there should be a weight in preaching, mm-hmm. um, but like the weight of it is too much for me or any other human to be able to take on to like, you know, because usually the walkout is, well, what'd you think of the sermon? Yep. And I, I like what you're doing of like, you're trying to move it back to the focal point of like the risen Lord joins us in this yeah. and you are participating in this in a unique way. That's just huge. Yeah, um, that's with it. All right, so I, I got one that I, I just want to throw at you. Sure. Uh, maybe it's a softball, maybe it's not. <laughs> you may not make some friends after this one, but that's fine. we'll see. This is your warning. You may get upset. No, uh, <laughs> what do you think of people who use the language, oh, I want to talk about this so bad, Reagan, and you're going to talk about it, not me. Uh, this is a double win. Um, what, what do you think of people who use the language of, like, I just don't get much out of out of church or <laughs> out of like speak to that language yeah. or yeah. okay here's how we make it more biblical they say phrases like uh, I'm just not being fed from someone who's studying this and we will be listening and reading your books for a long time <laughs> I'm sure in the future like what's your instinct there with that language yeah my my immediate <laughs> instinct is that I have to dial it back because my okay I, you just filtered just there <laughs> it felt like a filter for sure jump because what again, what you're doing is you're making it all about you. Huh. Uh, the church exists to satisfy you. you. Become your own end, in which the church is just a, a theater and consumeristic. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going to church to to get the best kind of product, hmm. um, and when that that product no longer works for you, you go to a different church that hmm. gives you a better product. Mm-hmm. You know, the Android mm-hmm. didn't work for you, so now you're going to go try Apple. Right. There's which really, you should have tried Apple in the first place. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> If I was going to be nice about it, if I was going to be a spiritual leader in it, that I hope that I can be one day, I would really ask, well, what I want to do is is go back to what I was saying. You know, one of my professors in Boston, uh, Brian Stone, he describes the gospel not as Jesus saving you from your sins, but he says that what Jesus does, that following Jesus, you know, following the gospel is faithfully embodying the witness of the reign of God on earth. Um, and what Jesus does is is show how to do that, what it looks like when the reign of God is realized and what it looks like to witness to that reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the church then is is the body of, of Jesus that does that. Uh, the church does not exist just to save people the way that we talk about it. Uh, it it's not just convincing people that this message is the best kind of message. Being a Christian, being part of the church, should actually be doing something um, other than just preaching to the people that are coming into their building. The church should be actually doing something that the kingdom of God is all about doing. So, you know, in Galatians, Paul says um, that in Christ there's no male or female, uh, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, or male and female, rather. Um you know, these are the three major identity markers of the time. What he that, it's, it's such a radical move when you start thinking about it to just say, no, those, those are no longer relevant. Those are just completely 
stripped of their power when we talk about the kingdom. But work has to be done to get to that point, right? You can't just say those words and then and then poof, it's it's an actuality, right? You have to actually work at something. And I think we have a lot of ways in which we do those same kind of identity barriers now. Right. You are this, you are this. You, I mean, the male and female thing still applies. Yep. But definitely not as much as it had back then. Right. But that's still something great or less value, right, mm-hmm. on people based on their gender identity. You know, sexuality is a huge one. If you, if you identify in the LGBT community, you will probably experience barriers. You will certainly experience barriers as part of that. And so we can't just say that, well, it doesn't matter if you are because you're one in Christ Jesus. There's, there's work that has to be done. Uh, and the church should be participating in action that realizes that. So that's a really long answer just to say <laughs> yeah. your focus is the wrong direction. Um, the church is coming to you while you mm. should be going to the nice. church. Nice. Nice. That's for sure. Okay, so let me throw you this question. What would you recommend for someone who, uh, say someone just graduated undergrad, they're about to jump into master's, or say that they've graduated and they're about to hop into uh, a faith community where they're going to start to navigate like really difficult things that they've never heard before. So either of those lanes. Yeah. Uh, but specifically, you can probably talk to more of the uh, going into a graduate degree. What would you suggest to people like to start right now to not be in a place of like pushing yourself away from the table um, with yeah. faith at some point. Cause it doesn't seem like you've had that experience of no, um, like I'm done. I'm done with all this. Like a lot of people do. Right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I've had the experience of just wanting to walk away from the faith, but I have had to really deconstruct and, and reconstruct sure. some things. Um, what I would say is to, First thing to yourself, who are the people that I trust the most with these kinds of questions? You know, the huh. pastors, the, the professors, the whoever. Uh, who, who would I trust the most to go to with my spiritual questions? And then if they all come from the same kind of ideological, theological background, try to find somebody outside of that. Mm. Thankfully, I grew up in a very Pentecostal background, mm. and then I came to a Church of Christ school. Right. So I had... Welcome. I, yeah, <laughs> I had very different experience, and I had people from kind of different or quite different uh, backgrounds and, and thought in that regard. Yes. But even then when I got to BU, like those, there are a lot more options than just Pentecostal or right. whatever you call church Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah there, there's, there's a lot more. I mean, I'm in, I'm in classes with universalist Unitarians yeah. who can believe anything yeah. uh, from atheism to radical Pentecostalism. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's so many, things you can be as a UU. And then there are plenty of atheists in my program as well mm. who are studying God from a very different angle than what huh. I'm looking at. So when when that kind of opens up, then I've had to, to find other people who are like some people would call atheist, mm. even though they're just thinking about God in a very in a very different kind of way. Mm. Um, like a Paul Tillich, God mm. as a ground of being, rather than the personal agental God that can come in and and change your life circumstances whenever you pray. Yeah, it's a very different kind of mm-hmm. conception of God. So try to try to find people from all these different camps that you trust. And it's okay to trust atheists. Mm-hmm. I, I would also mm-hmm. really recommend that because I just I know so many people don't want to trust atheist people because they think that they're lacking some kind of moral grounding that I just don't think is true. And you don't have to evangelize to them. Like actually try to get into and try to see what what is the world? What is grace for them? What is forgiveness? You know, what are these these words that we've kind of capitalized on in Christian faith? What do they mean for somebody who is not within that that mm-hmm. framework? 
uh, I think you'll actually be really surprised at what you find and, and really learn something. Huh. But at the same time, really stay grounded in the church community. Uh, if you move from an Abilene to a Boston or a, a Portland, Oregon, or a, a wherever you end up going, uh, really stay connected to a church community. And it's okay if you don't agree with everything that's that's preached in the from the pulpit or mm. from the from the stage. Yeah, uh, that's really all right. It's it'll be frustrating. Yeah, I had, I had a mentor that told me like in church discernment, he was like. Uh, the moment that you go to a church and uh, someone stands up and they say something that you are just completely in a different place, he goes, you at least know that you're at church. Yeah. And, like, there's some truth to that. I mean, there there's ways that that backfires a little bit. Um, sure. But, like, for the most part, it's like, oh, yeah, because if there's no diversity and the unity, then uh, right. what are we doing around here? Yeah, yeah. If you're just finding the best echo chamber. Yeah. You're probably not going to grow That's very brutal. much. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. Let me give you just some rapid fire questions all right. uh, to kind of like even this all out. Let's see, one of them. If you wouldn't have started doing blank, you couldn't do what you're doing now. Yeah. If I, if I hadn't started reading books that were too smart, I, I couldn't be where I am now. Fascinating. What 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 that looked like? For me, it looked like going to professors and being like, I'm interested in this topic. What books could you could you show me? And these are people who went to Yale, Emory, right. um, you know, Syracuse, wherever. So they, they knew all the books, and I didn't know 30% of the words, but you look them up. Yeah. Lunch deep. Yeah, you, and you, you you figure it out, and be in conversation with that person about what it is. Huh. You know, like, don't just take the book, <laughs> read a page, and go, I don't know what's happening right. here, and then, and then give it back. Torment. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> give, it, give it a shot. Yeah. Okay, so how about this one? Hardest thing you've had to break through uh, in these past five years? Oh, man. I learned that I'm a very... I, I view things very extremely sometimes. Things are either the worst thing that I've ever seen or done or heard in my life, or it's the greatest thing to have ever existed uh, in the history of time. Do you know what Enneagram you are? Nah, no, I don't. Okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You're against Enneagram world. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Forget that. Okay. All right. Keep going. I'm not a good conservative Christian. <laughs> oh, I'm not a conservative Christian. Okay. <laughs> the shots have been fired. <laughs> With that, that translates into a lot of other things than just like how I review movies and music. You know, huh. it, it goes into if somebody says something that kind of hurts my feelings, they are the worst person to have ever existed in the history Dang. of time. Okay. You know, like I, I will never talk to that person again. Goes deep. And okay. I, I didn't realize that I did that until huh. a couple years ago. So I, I've had to I've had to work through that and how to be more gracious and fair with people hmm. uh, and even things. You know. Not only just like going back and giving that that record that I didn't like very much when I first mm. listened to it, you know, um, giving that a try again, but also like giving people a try again, yeah, is mm. is pretty hard. Yeah, uh, have you collected guidance for the direction in your life? Oh man, kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You know, think of the people who you trust the most mm. to answer those those big life those questions. questions. But for finding, you know, one of those people for me at ACU was Randy Harris, um, yeah. who was a basically God in Abilene <laughs> and small group of us guys that were in the, his freshman Bible class yeah. really thought that he was, he could pour into us in, in some kind of special way. So we approached him early on in that first semester and we're like, Hey, we would really love it if you would meet with us every other week or every, you know, once every month, whatever's best for you. Uh, just spend some time with us and, and walk with us in this time of our lives. And he did. And those all of those meetings that we had 
just I took something very, very for, uh, formative mm -hmm. for my own life. Not just because of what he was saying to us, but also the way that he guided conversation between our, you know, amongst ourselves. Huh. It made us listen to each other's stories in ways that we might not have done had we just been sitting in a room alone. Because he just has that kind of wisdom and guidance and knows what to knows what kinds of questions to ask. People. Right. So find people like that. I would say, you know, everyone needs a Randy in their life. Everyone needs a Randy. Goodness. Yeah, that's for sure. That's true. Okay, so final question that we always ask everyone that comes on. What are you on to? Like, what, what's kind of your big thing that you're thinking about or yeah. moving towards or dream-wise? Or yeah. What are you on to? At this current moment, I am finishing up a research project, which is looking at churches in Texas and how they view the relationship between secularization and church life. So I'm in the midst of writing that or really finalizing that project right now. All my interviews are done. And I'm, I'm synthesizing and trying to turn it into a cohesive paper that makes sense and tries to say something about this right. question that I've been researching. Right. Uh, so that, that's I would say that's kind of the big thing that I'm that I'm thinking about working on because mm -hmm. I'm just so fascinated and energized by that question. Hopefully, it'll be published in a journal and be out in the world for people to see. So yeah, hopefully, people will will see more about that. Yeah. You know, I started this project because I heard people in Boston saying things like secularization is that which is going to just kill church life in America. In a couple generations, churches aren't going to really exist anymore. People might identify as religious, but like they're not doing anything with it. Uh, it's not any part of their their regular routine in life. You know, they're not participating in churches. They're not really actively praying and doing all these things. We're going to become a very secular place. And I said, maybe for you people in Boston and, and these coastal cities, but come down to Fort Worth, Texas. I promise you that's not true. You're going to see a different landscape. Yeah. And what I learned from this is that what I thought was that people were going to say secularization is not really an influence. It's not really something that is thought of. I was wrong about that. Every Almost everybody said that it is some kind of influence. They just think about it very differently. So secularization in, in the north or in coastal regions is very different conceptually than secularization in the Bible Belt. Uh, secularization down here for people is just what makes people immoral. You know, secularization is identified for a lot of people as, you know, the, the big hot button issues like abortion and same-sex marriage and things like that. People who are for those things, you know, that's secularism. That's secularism. Us good religious people are against those. Mm -hmm. They think about it like that. They think about it in terms of finances. If you're in debt, that's because of secular forces. Uh, huh. Like finances and consumerism, I would say they, they really identify the consumeristic framework as a secular conception. Yeah. Uh, and then there are those who just say, like Rick actually at the Hills just kind of says it is what it is. It's, it's a framework where the people don't really see the need for God. They don't really see the need for the church. Um, but that just that is what it is. The church will keep being the church regardless. Hmm. Yeah, man, that is Rick. Rick will just right. <laughs> Rick will just move forward. He's like, "Huh? What'd you say?" Doesn't matter. <laughs> so that's what you're on to. That's that's what I'm on to. That's what I'm looking at. People want to follow you. Where can they follow you at? Yeah, I'm not a huge social media person, unfortunately. I am on the Instagrams. Yep. And you can friend me on Facebook. Yep. Will you blog up. more? Rethink all of that. I do really? want to blog more. I want, I yeah. want to have some kind of outlet to put, put stuff in, but I want it to be more focused than the one that I have right now. I mean, I haven't 
posted on that in a long, long time. There's hardly anything. So I, w- I probably will keep doing it. I just need to need to rethink it a little bit. Yeah. Also, very hard in your phase of life to blog while it you're is. trying to crank out papers and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, trying to read 200 pages a week and write papers. Yep. That's not, brutal. That's brutal. Not helpful. The date for you and Keeley would be? May 29th, nice. 2020. Aren't you pumped for it? I couldn't come back. Yeah, I'm sure y'all are like, do this. We don't need flowers at this point. Like, yeah, just right. bring it on. Everyone bring your own food. <laughs> Can't handle this. BYOF. So, <laughs> so we'll do it. Well, cool. Thanks for being on today. Oh, thank you for letting me. All right. Bada bing, bada boom. There is our conversation with Reagan. Uh, if there is anyone that you can think of that you're like, wow, it'd be really interesting to hear an interview from this person. I would love to know that you can either direct message us or send us an email. Uh, like we've said, you can always reach the podcast at onto something pod onto something pod and stay tuned because for the month of March, we're going to have something really exciting roll out. So be anticipating it, be looking for it and also be following us until next week. Everyone remember that you're on to something. <laughs>